1: The series is simply entitled, God is Love. Today, as we continue our look at 1 John, we understand that God's love is a distinguishing love. Join us. It's not a love that is just haphazardly tossed out. It's not random. It's very distinguishing. In other words, God's love is very focused with purpose and intent. Welcome. This is Truth For Today, and Pastor Phil Howard takes us back to 1 John. We're in chapter 4, and today we're going to focus on verses 7 through 16. It's there that we understand this distinguishing love. Here's Pastor Phil with more on today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: Let me just by way of review tell you what we've been. We took 1 John chapter 4, where twice it says God is love. And we start unpackaging that. What does that mean? God is love. And we took a definition of love that says it's that perfection in God where he has a desire for and a delight in the welfare of of the objects of his love. Whoever he loves, whoever he loves, God delights in and desires their welfare. Now, here's a catch: He will even go to the point of self-sacrifice to bring that delight and to bring that benefit to them. So, it's a costly love. And we looked at uh, five characteristics of this love. Five characteristics. And I'm just reviewing for you. We went over this last week. Here's the five things. The source of the love of God is himself. He didn't get it from anybody. Uh, Nobody was able to draw it. It's inherent in his nature. It's in the nature of God to love. God is love. And I'm convicted by such a statement. If someone said about you, let's say John Smith is, what would they fill in? Well, when it comes to God, God is love. Now, it doesn't say love is God. Love is not. No. God, part of his nature is to love, he's the source of it. Two, it's unconditional. Uh, the object of uh, his love never warranted nor merited his love. You don't deserve to be loved by such a God because we've been in rebellion against him. We're born sinners. And so we've not drawn that love out by any merit in us. Three, God always takes the initiative in this love. In many relationships, uh, Let's say Trump and Putin, who's going to initiate peace? Who's going to initiate reconciliation? And anytime there's a conflict between people, who will initiate and build the bridge toward each other? Pride keeps you this way. I'm not moving until they move. God says, I'll make the move. I'm not the offender, but I'll be the initiator of the reconciliation. Amazing, amazing love. Fourthly, God's love is manifested in action. He doesn't just talk, he acts. And he's done that. And fifthly, God's love is sacrificial. So much that he gave his best and is one of its kind of son, God the Son. And he gave him in a sacrificial act. Now, we looked at Several ways this love is manifested. The love among the Trinity. They've been loving each other from eternity past. And you read this, if you start with John's Gospel, chapter 14, and right right through 17, about three to four times, keeps talking about God the Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Father. This has been going on from eternity. So they're a loving community, a loving community. Two, god 's love of creation, and that was psalms one forty five that he gives uh, animals he gives everything their food, he feeds the lion, he maintains creation Colossians one fifteen he holds everything together, so he shows this um, what we call sometimes it's said providential this loving care of what he's created and, and he oversees it and even the sparrow, he said, he feeds them. He clothes the lily of the valley, and he gives it all of its magnificent beauty and animals. He maintains, it's a manifestation of his love and care. Then we came, and we finished last We he loved the world. And the world doesn't stand for geography. They had a Greek word for geography, gay, ge. ge E, long E in Greek. The earth, terra firma. He loved uh, that, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the people. The people in hostility to him. God so loved his enemies. God so loved humanity that rebelled against him that he gave his one and only son to die for them. So he's gone on record of loving humanity and doing more for us than anyone in all this world could ever dream. Now, I want to move today to the distinguishing love of God. And I want us to look at uh, really four things. His love for Israel. Uh, his love for the church. His love for individuals. And how that, it really I'm talking about those who come within the covenant love within the family love of God. There's one thing to say God so loved the world and then saying God loves me as his own child. Totally different. Once I'm a family member, I come into aspects of God's love that's something like this. Everything from now on in your life is going to work for your good because you become my child. You never had that promise nor rationale before you became a child of God. God's working everything in my life for good. Look up the messes you made before you became a child of God. And there was no order, reason, or rhyme to it. But we're going to look at that. Let's look at uh, Deuteronomy. To see God's love for Israel. Isn't it strange that out of all the countries in the Near East, Israel still exists? I mean, you can laugh at that. But you've never been outnumbered uh, by your enemies maybe 40,000 to one. In 1948, when they declared themselves a state, a state of Israel... There was a, the whole Arab world declared war and their threat was we will drive you into the Mediterranean Sea. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've been there. They're not in the Mediterranean. Why? God's love for them. Look at verse 6 of Deuteronomy 7, 6. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any other people. That the Lord set his love on you and chose you. For you were the fewest of all the peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you. And is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. In other places he said, I've not loved you because you were easy to get along with, for you were stiff-necked people. But God said, I chose Abraham. I chose Isaac. I chose Jacob. And hear this verse. You don't like it, but God said it anyway. God never has sought to be politically correct. Jacob have I loved. Esau I have hated. And we say you can't hate anyone. Well, you tell God that when you see him. He said it. What does it mean? He loves Jacob. And he hated Esau. And some say that's national, hated the Edomites, hated the man. Whatever way you understand that, God has said, I've chosen Israel out of all the nations to be the recipients of my covenant love, recipients of my law, to be the human vehicle through which I'll bring Messiah to the world. The, the human vehicle that I'll bring redemption. God chose little despised Israel. And he built it on a man that was a moon worshiper in Ur of Chaldee Before God called him to himself. Who in the world evangelized Abraham? God. We call it sovereign choosing. Sovereign choosing. God can choose whomever he will, however he will. Do you believe that? Look at, he chose the church in Ephesians. Let's just look at Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Husband, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her and cleanse her by the word. Those who are in God's church, those who have put faith in Christ, are in an entity, the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, the flock of God, in which you've come within the special favor and kindness of God. Now, Let's look in Ephesians for the special love of God that he actually brings it down to individuals. You may apply it to the church. Look at Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with some spiritual blessings. Uh, Who has blessed the super saint With every spiritual blessing. Or blessed us in Christ. Who all is that? If you're in Christ, you've come under the special blessing of God in which he emptied his container of blessings on you in Christ. Some people are saying, well, have you talked in tongues? No, but I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. Uh, Can you prophesy? No, I don't have that gift. Are you an apostle? No. Why don't we emphasize what are the universal blessings to all saints without always building a doctrine or a difference between us? We've all been blessed. All blessings have been given to every child of God. That's what he says. Some have this gift. Some have that gift. That's fine. That's differentiating in the body. But here's every spiritual blessing is yours in Christ. Now he goes on. Look at some of these blessings. Even as he chose us in him the night you got saved. Anybody reading the Bible? Anybody know how to disagree with the preacher? (laughs) If I misread it, you're supposed to be awake and say, no. Call me down. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption. And the word there for chosen in the Greek, it's a middle voice. And here, let's say English, active, uh, passive. I, I grab the mic. Uh, the mic grab me. Now if I said the mic grab me, I'm passive. I'm receiving the action of the verb. But a middle voice that only the Greek and Latins had is that I for myself grab the mic. It, it shows active participation in the action of the verb. And what it says here, he for himself chose you. He for himself chose You. If you are a child of God, a member of God's family, it's no accidental birth. It's no accidental birth. I was a total accidental birth. My mother said every time my dad looked at her, she got pregnant. And for years we believed that. She's working in the shipyards. She, they're going to get rich. They fled, Oklahoma, depression, Dust Bowl. she 's going to get rich out there, and the last thing she needs is a seventh child. She I, shall so I come in the world? you're unwanted, but we're stuck with you. Boom, not planned, but loved anyway. All of you been planned. All of you been planned. Why you? Look look at 1 Corinthians. You wonder why you? I, I have a hint of it in 1 Corinthians 7. Or rather, chapter 1. Look at what he says in verse 26. Someone asked me one time, why are you in the ministry? I said, 1 Corinthians one twenty-six. Here's the reason I got the ministry. And this is the reason I'm in the family. Watch this. For consider your calling, brothers, calling unto salvation. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. That's me. When I was saved, I didn't have a PhD. What about you? Not many were powerful. Well, if you think people in South Richmond are powerful, I was powerful at 14. Not many were of noble birth. No blue bloods in my family background. Just poor, hard-working people. No blue bloods. No money. No Rockefellers. No Kennedys. No inheritance. My brother talks about a lot of people are waiters. They're just waiting for their folks to die. So they can get the inheritance. While well, Howards were not waiters, there was nothing to inherit. No blue bloods. But God chose. But God chose for himself what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God had a motive. I'm going to pick who you consider the morons to confound the brilliant minds of the day. The word foolish is moronic. God chose what is weak No strength in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not, it's literally the zeros. They're not even, they don't even amount to, they're a zero. He chose them to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Listen, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. God did your salvation so you could never get the credit. And I don't know why he wanted you more than your brother. Or your sister, or your neighbor. I don't know why he wanted me more than this one or that one. I'll leave all that up to an omnipotent, all-powerful God. And you can just go crazy trying to figure out election, free will. If you can harmonize it, help yourself. I believe both. I believe both. They call it antinomy. Two seemingly opposing truths that run like railroad tracks. And somewhere down here, they seem to merge together. Whatever the word says, I believe. Can I harmonize it? Calvin tried to. Eh, he's okay. Read him. He wrote it at 26 years of age. You harmonize it. But don't turn around saying God can't do that. Who is the clay to tell God what he can do? The potter can do with the clay whatever he wants. Why did he want you? Why did he want you? Well, we'll spend eternity maybe scratching our head over that. But has he become your father? Have you put faith in? Don't worry about if he's chosen you. Worry about have you put your faith in him? That's, right. That's the sure way you can know. I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I never knew two years later that he ever chose me. I'm just glad I got to believe. And so now that you're in the family, in the special love of God, God loves you in a way he doesn't love the world. Because you, you, um, you've come into the focal point of this love of God, the love for his own that is different and far deeper and far more benefits than when you were just out in the world. You've always been loved by God, but you've not always been in the special care of a family member. You know, biblically, I'm told to love believers, right? Would that include women? Yes. Are the women sisters in Christ? So, I could say, I love you, sister, as a Christian, with no physical erotic theme at all. I love you because you're begotten of the Father. That's legitimate, right? It's not too good to say it, you know, in the corner. No, we love you, sister, in the Lord. But now... I come around and say, I love you, Carolyn. Are there any distinguishing features? I've only had three children by one person. I've only slept with one woman in my life that I've been with 52 years. I love her deeper. I want to love everybody, but I love my three daughters in a different way than I love everybody. And that's this distinguishing love of God, that God says, I love you, and I've got things for a family member, and that if you're outside of Christ, you need in this family, and if you would only receive Christ, you can receive all these abundant things God does for his children, Amen. that you could only get. Let's, let's just look at a few of them. Number one, Romans 5. Oh, I love this. Look there. I hear no papers, so I assume technology. So let's get to Romans 5. Look at what he says. He's talking about the wonderful benefits of justification. And we come to Romans 5, 5. Look at the benefits he gives to his own children. Number one, he says at verse 5, And hope does not put us to shame, Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let me just explain. The word poured into our heart, it means gushed out, poured out. It was used of the Spirit being poured out on the day of Pentecost. It's just an effusion of the Spirit. Just gushed out gust abroad. Just think of a geyser, I guess. Just going off. And God said, my love for you, I'm going to install it in your heart, and it will be like a geyser going off. Maybe like that river that Jesus said he would put in us, which spoke of the Holy Spirit. But one of the benefits is, on your worst day, you can know you're being loved by God.